Takesha Jacobs, mother of five, certified echocardiogram tech and medical assistant, became an angel mom after tragedy struck her family on July 4, 2017, in Indianapolis, Indiana, when her youngest son, Abdul Bango Cross, age 15, was shot simply from being in the wrong place at the wrong time. He fought for his life for nine days after senselessly being shot multiple times. Her feelings of pain, hurt, helplessness, anger, frustration, and depression felt like torture, a feeling that no mother should ever have to endure. Losing someone so young, so dear to her heart, wasn't easy to bounce back from. Instead of harboring unconstructive thoughts and emotions, she decided to turn her pain into purpose. She has become passionate about putting an end to senseless gun violence by helping others to heal their emotions in a positive way. Takesha is now the Vice President for Jumping for Jesus Jesus, Use Me Please, and an ambassador for the Bullets for Life Indiana chapter, and she plans to continue her positive reinforcement to those who suffer or just need a shoulder to cry on, and most of all, creating awareness to end city gun violence. Let's welcome What's up, Grief Nation listeners? This is Miami Knight, your Master Grief Educator and Trainer, and we're here today with Takesha Jacobs and her amazing, beautiful son that's behind her there, Abdul Cross. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? doing really well so uh, tell me about this um, beautiful picture of Abdul behind you yes um, I got it from the funeral home when um, we had to bury Abdul they made these blankets and this side has his face and the other side of it has me and him there's a picture that we took together after one of his um, successful football games yeah (laughs) picture together we would always whenever um after any game we would always go out to eat afterwards Mm -hmm. and so that uh was like one of the first games where he like showed out and he was really excited about it and so that was just like a a precious picture yeah so So, tell us tell us the grief journey that you've had and, and and what all happened with you losing your son Well, when I lost my son, he was 15 years old, and um, we went to Indianapolis to visit family. Uh, My oldest son lived in Indy. Uh, We had previously lived in Indy, um, but we moved away in 2013, and my mom, she had got into a car accident, and I ended up having to move back to South Bend, and my oldest son didn't want to move back. He wanted to stay. Um, I have a sister there, uh, my best friend cousins so I've got a lot of family in Indy and um, we went down there to visit my oldest son his birthday is July 5th so July 3rd we went down there to visit and um, have fun you know July 4th Independence Day fireworks and South Bend is little Indianapolis is big and they've got a lot of big firework shows and a lot of big things that go on down there um, so we went to go visit and have fun for the fourth and then my son's, my oldest son's birthday. Well, I let, um, Abdul stay with his brother to go get their hair cut and get some outfits for the day, for the, for the fourth. And, um, <clears throat> I left them at about 7.30, it was 7.33 or 7.34 p.m. We pulled away out of the apartment complex and um, they were going to get their haircuts. And so we went to the hotel and checked in and about 1130, I called and I didn't get an answer, but I just assumed, you know, my oldest son, he's got a flashy car. So, you know, they are riding around in his Camaro and, you know, I'm just there, you know, he's like, my oldest son is like the big brother dad. Yeah. You know, I have five kids, so he kind of helped raise the kids. And um, so I let, you know, I just let it go and I fell asleep and I woke up to a phone call. My my oldest son called and said that Abdul was shot in the leg. And I was like, what? So 
I have 14 years of experience in critical care. And I know you always stay calm in a, in a hectic situation. You have to stay calm. So I got up and um, I was calm and I'm telling everyone, we got to go outdoors at the hospital. He was shot. And um, I didn't know what all had occurred at, the, at that time. So I went to the hospital and they didn't they didn't know who they were like no we don't have them I went to Eskenazi first and then we went to Riley cuz Abdul is 15 so I thought maybe they sent him to Riley hospital well Riley didn't have them and then the the charge nurse there you know I was talking to her and I'm like I work in the hospital so I know like if you have a John Doe or something like that if you have someone here that didn't have an ID they're labeled as a John Doe well, I know there's, I can give you a lot of identifying markers. This is my 15 year old son and he's big. He plays football. He's a lineman, you know, he's, so he's big and he looks older. And so she was checking, checking, checking a couple hours have passed by. And finally, um, they asked, where was he shot at? Like, where did it, where was the location? And so I looked at my son and he was like at the apartments and they pulled it up on the on the um, computer and she was like, he was shot where? And I told her the apartment and her face, I, I was like, what's wrong? What What's the problem? And she, she said, come here, you can look at this. And she turned the screen and I walked around the desk and there was a car. My son's Impala was shot up like really bad from the front bumper to the back on the driver's side of the car. And um, I was like, that's it. Darius looked and we were like, yeah, that's his car. And I'm looking like, wait a minute, he was shot in the leg. He hadn't called me and my my two of my boys are mama's boys. So I was like, he hasn't called her, he hasn't called me or anything for him to just be shot in the leg. He would have called me. Mm-hmm. And so um, a detective, I had to wait for a detective to come to talk to me, to release the, to release my, the information for me to even go into the hospital. And I'm like, what? And so we went, ended up back at Eskenazi, which was where he was at. And a chaplain came down and talked to me. And I was like, okay, so stop. Is my son dead? And he said, no, 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 he's not, he's not. Um, but we just have to make sure. And so I go up there and he was on life support. Um, And I'm like, why is he on life support? So I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe he was, the artery was hit and he was bleeding out. And, but you know, that can be fixed. And with some therapy, you know, I'm still, I'm very optimistic. Then um, I happened to, I moved the covers and I'm looking and there was bullets, bullet, little, pieces like everywhere and I was like is this are these bullet holes or is this from thinking it's the metal from the car that was hitting Mm -hmm. and um then there was one big patch there was a patch on his thigh and the nurse had it was it was a lot of blood so the nurse had to you know clean it and whatnot and um so I'm looking and it was the size of a quarter the hole the injury wound Mm -hmm. was the size of a quarter and I was like, what the hell? And um, then I'm looking, there's still, there's also a bunch of holes. Like it was just all on the left. There was some like under his arm on the side by his ribs. There were some like down by his shin. There were, there was that big hole on the side and then they had to turn him over to um, clean him and clean his dressing on his bottom. He had four five bullet holes in his four bullet holes in his butt literally in his butt and so I'm like so who why would someone want who why he's 15 we don't live in Indianapolis and when we moved away he was 12 so who would want who would he be beefing with that would want to shoot him like that obviously nobody Mm -hmm. and so um come to find out the whole everyone that that night when the shots went off abdul went to the car to get his phone out of the car and darius had ran to the gas station him and two other boys had ran to the gas station and then um abdul went and got his phone and was calling darius seeing where he where 
where he was at. Yeah. And he was sitting in the car waiting for Darius to pull back up. Well, three guys walked up and thought that Abdul was someone else and shot the car up. All of them, when they shot up the car, Darius was on the phone with Abdul and they were coming back from the gas station, which was literally like two blocks, like a turn out of the apartment and down the street turn and the gas station's right there. So Darius was coming across the bridge where the gas station was and turning into where the apartments were. So he heard the gunshots. He was on the phone with Abdul. Then he turned into the apartment complex and the guys were coming out and they instantly got into a gunfight again. And then the police had heard the first set of gunshots. So the police were also on the way. So in these moments, each moment, like you don't know, but each moment literally matters. Yeah. This one moment, they're shooting up Abdul. The second moment, um, them and Darius and the other two guys in the car are in a gun gunfight. Then the police were coming up. So everybody that was out there except for one individual got taken down to the aggravated battery office. Okay. So I didn't, that's why I didn't hear anything from anyone because Abdul was on life support and Darius and his two friends and then the other two of the guys out of the three were all down at the, homic the homicide aggravated battery office. Mm -hmm. So they let them all go, which I'm still kind of like how if there was a whole shootout there's someone here critically critically like gravely injured yeah and how do everyone get let go um nine days we were in the hospital and abdul you know one day like the first like about the third fourth day no up until like the fifth day he would respond i would talk to him he'd shake his head we pray um I would talk, he would squeeze my hand. He looked left to right. Um, I asked him, was he scared? He shook his head, yeah. Um, but he was responding to things. And then about the sixth day, um, he took a turn for the worse. And he had, to, he had, by that time he had had three surgeries. One was an, the first surgery was an exploratory surgery to see where he was injured. Um, the second one, they went in to, um, see where he was injured and to see if they could close him up. They closed him up. Then they had to go back in and open him back up. When they closed him up, he, um, he started to become septic. Um, and so they had to, they were trying, they were telling me that is he had too much potassium in his blood and all this and that, but he, he had, he had an infection and, he had a colostomy bag and then they had to take it out because there was blood in the bag. And I kept telling them, you know, something's wrong. And then finally they went in the third time and they opened him back up. And when he came back upstairs, I knew he had died on the table down there, but they kept him going. He went in, once he went into septic shock and it, it hit his kidneys. And like in a matter of hours, he went from yellow, I mean, yeah, yellow urine to dark, almost black urine in a matter of hours. And then I'm like, so why they wouldn't do a CAT scan because they were afraid that it was going to kill his kidneys. Well, if he has to do dialysis, we can get through this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have kidneys. We are his sisters. We all have kidneys. Like I'm not worried about it, but he needed a CAT scan to see what was going on. Yeah. But unfortunately, he passed away um, due to being shot multiple times and septic. He, he septic shock basically. He went into septic shock. It hit his kidneys and started um, killing his organs. Just I mean, like so fast. Yeah. And then at eight fifteen a.m. on July twelfth, he passed away. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry hear that I know as a mom losing your son uh, don't nobody understand that moment but you mm -hmm. I'm so sorry that that happened to you and your family so how has and I have to ask this because I know like throughout my journey of just 
people supporting me, um, how have the children been, the siblings? Because that's a true loss even for them. How have your children been able to deal with this? Um, luckily for us, we my kids have been in a program called Transformation Ministries. Mm -hmm. um, they have different things that they do with Transformation Ministries. They are a Christian-based um, organization. They do things from um, getting kids jobs to mentoring, tutoring, um, Bible study time. Like they do so many things. And luckily my kids have been in the program for three years by that time. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, ha I had a huge support system, Praise not just God. with, we have a huge support system, not just with like family, yeah. but with other people that my kids can talk to mm -hmm. and um, especially the the girls the younger ones mm -hmm. they had they had them there my oldest son um he didn't he didn't have um he didn't ha he had it available but he felt so at fault um and he didn't know how to deal with the he didn't know how to deal or cope with what he was, what he had going on in his head. Yeah. And it was a lot. And he, um, he turned around a month later and went and shot someone, mm -hmm. um, that the guys that shot my son, he shot one of their moms mm. and, um, he, he went to jail. He went to, he went to prison. Um, he's in prison now about it. And I would try to talk to him, you know, about, <clears throat> I was trying, I was trying to console him, but I obviously wasn't doing it right. Cause I was also grieving myself. Yeah. Um, but, and I, I couldn't, I, I just, I didn't know how to deal with it. But, um, now we have, we all have, um, therapists, psychologists, counselors, I mean, we're surrounded with yeah. with that, and the things that I'm learning um, along the way. I'm talking to my son over the phone and um, reassuring him and reminding him, you know, of that he's loved and yeah. that I don't blame him for what all he's, you know, what all has occurred, mm -hmm. and that um, he where he's needed, and so right now they're in an okay place all four of my kids are in a oh they're okay mm -hmm. they still try to hide it they still not try not to talk about it and that has a lot to do with me and not wanting me to be stressed out and so i did learn that it's okay to cry in front of my kids Absolutely. it's okay to let them see me drop to my knees and just cry because mm -hmm. then it lets them know that they can open up to me as well. So yeah. that's. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. It's very important um, for families to recognize not only the loss of a child, but sibling loss. Um, you know, the grandparents suffer. And I, I just wanted to make sure that we had highlighted that because that is so critical for us understanding not only, yes, we can say, you know, shout out to the mother and the father, but the children, they suffer and, you know, they're still growing. So they have a lot that they have to process. So I just really think that it's important. And this just gets me into the segue of of all the things that you've been doing within your community and, and supporting other kids. Um, how did you become a part of Jumping for Jesus? Um, Loria. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she, um, I had a, um, a remembrance ceremony. Um, it was to remember Abdul. This was um, on his year anniversary of when he passed away. It was to remember Abdul, but um, also, it was also for all of his friends and family to remember that they're needed and to remember their worth and to remember who they are to their moms or fathers or brothers and sisters. Um, so we, I had this, it was a huge thing and Loria came and she came with this wreath 
<laughs> and um, it was a wreath and it it was a memorial wreath for Abdul and it had his picture in it and it had the light in there and um, she was like oh we got to get together you know and I'm real standoffish and not really trying to make new friends and I'm trying to deal with you know my emotions and all that and she was just really persistent yeah and so um I was like okay after a while I said okay let me just see what she's talking about and I stopped being so angry and just like let her just I want to see more and so um she started she was telling me you know what her vision was and her son had passed away just a few months before mine mm-hmm. and um, in April. And so she, she was on the same path. She, you know, was walking the same walk. And so um, she got in, she was telling me about, you know, the kids and how important they are to her and how they're helping her with dealing and coping with her son's death. And I'm like, dang, they doing, you know, the same thing for me. And so, but we're like, who's helping them? Yeah. And so that's how I got involved with Jump and is the reach out for the kids. And that's what we do. We reach out to the, the not just little kids. We're talking like 25 and younger, 30 mm-hmm. and younger. Okay. We, so I, my son is 25. So anybody under the age of 25, I call a kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. We have all of these 30-year-olds and younger that they have a voice. They, they, the problems that we are seeing now is with these kids from the age of 30 down to 15, 14, 15, 16. And so to give them a voice, putting them on the radio so and hearing what they feel is a solution to stop some of this gun violence, mm-hmm. to... And not just gun violence, just the senseless violence that has been occurring. Putting, giving them a, a platform to express themselves and hear what they have to say, and then we put action behind it. Absolutely, it's really important. And so um, that's what we do. That that's why I got started with Jump mm-hmm. because I respected the what she was talking about. I respected how she felt and I respected the fact that she respected the kids and not just looked at them like, you have to respect me or you do what I say or I can make money off of this or I can put you, I I want, like she wasn't looking for something in return. She literally just wanted to push all of the unconditional love onto some of these kids that don't get it. Yes. And she wanted to push all of the resources, anything that we could find that will help them because they're grieving just as well as we are. Yes, there are babies. Yes, we had them and we know them and all of that. But at their age, at 15 and at 19, 18, your friends mean everything to you. Right. And so we know that these kids are grieving just like we're grieving. Mm -hmm. It's different. But they're grieving and they're hurt. Just, mm-hmm. you know, you feel when one of our people that are our age pass away, we'd be like, dang, you know, it's that's heavy. Yeah. Kids are feeling the same way, but I'm an adult. You know, I'm grown. I'm 40. So <laughs> we deal, we're dealing with it in our, these kids that are 14, 15, 16 are dealing with the same thing. Yeah. And it's so traumatizing. Yeah. And so getting involved with jump was like one of the best things I could have ever done to help these kids get a platform and speak out against gun violence and to prevent it. Not just talking about it, but putting putting the left foot in front of the right foot and taking steps to um, have some action behind our words. Right. So tell me some of the um, partnerships that you um, you guys have, par- people that you've partnered with and how that's making an impact along with JUMP. Well, we have gotten together with Bullets for Life. We are Bullets for Life Indiana chapter. Um, and don't have the cause is like awesome. Like taking bullets off the streets. My son was shot 
about 20 times. Yeah. And taking 20 bullets off the street at a time is like heaven to me. Amen. Taking that, those, that is like a, a thing of my son was shot 20 times and here I'm taking these 20 bullets and I'm taking the life out of these bullets and making 20 bracelets yes. instead of being in someone's body or someone's home or mm -hmm. someone's car. You know, like that just, that means so much. Yeah. Um, and so we're part, we've partnered with them um, because we love the mission. Mm -hmm. um, tell us, tell us the mission behind Bullets for Life and so that people that don't know. Um, well, to me, our mission for Bullets for Life Indiana mm -hmm. is to donate a bullet and save a life. Mm -hmm. That is the mission. Yes. That's what we're, that's what we are. That's what we do. We accept donations and we're saving lives as we're taking these bullets off, these live bullets off the streets. Yeah. That, that's what we do with Bullets for Life. Moms Demand Action. I, it's other parts of gun violence that I never thought about, mm -hmm. which is the laws. Yeah. The political side to it. Mm -hmm. And they are teaching us a lot about the legislature and different laws and our voices do matter and going in and speaking out making phone calls getting people making people aware that yes we can stop this gun violence yes let's get these gun people that do not need guns they don't need to be able to access act have um easy access mm -hmm. to guns Mm -hmm. So let's call, let's let our legislature know, no, we don't, you need to do better backgrounds. We need bigger background checks. We need wider background checks. We need you to, to put laws in place to where it, people should not be able to sell guns online and you meet at a gas station and do a transaction. Wow. Like those are some things that, you know, I'm learning about and like, dang, you know, my son was shot with a military gun, mm -hmm. um, like a 762, they call it something else, or two, 762, some, 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 like, why is this gun on our streets? Right. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be on our streets. This is stuff they use in the military. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we shouldn't have that kind of thing. So moms demand action they are um they are literally teaching us and i am so willing to learn I'm, i love learning and yeah. i'm so willing to learn about the things that moms demand action is um is putting forth also be smart be smart you know talking about you know the where's your gun at why uh, when we're all at our family's homes you know over the holidays mm -hmm. where's your guns put them away are they locked away? You know, that is things you don't think that you have to right. talk about. But in this now today, mm -hmm. seeing how these young kids are playing, they don't know any better. But everybody's in the living room and we're talking and, you know, playing and the kids are back in a room and one sneaks off in somebody's room and they're curious and they get a, they find a gun that's just laid out, you know. You don't think about that until something bad happens. Something bad shouldn't happen. We should be smart. Right. And sure, things are put away and locked away. So partnering, um, you know, working with them is like awesome. Like Black Lives Matter. Therefore, you know, the, the justice, Black Lives Matter about is about Black lives do matter <laughs> right and seriously all of the the shootings the injustices the injustice in our system is wrong and they're standing up for it and like yeah. i am so off for all of that and i love learning so those are just a few of um we also partner are uh, working with tattoo the world her um her brother was killed in a mass shooting here in South Bend. Hmm. And um, she is bringing awareness and fighting the gun violence as well. So, you know, she helps with a lot of the siblings that have lost their siblings to gun violence. 
she's bringing um she's trying to help them cope and deal with life after losing a sibling oh, oh, awesome awesome i love that i love that so much so i know you were telling us that with the organization partnership that you have with bullets for life you're taking bullets off the street how often does that occur with the bullets um being able to be taken off the streets how often does that happen for you guys on a regular basis <laughs> on a regular i know that's right phrase I mean, yes it's like every week there every week somebody is bringing me bullets yes they'll bring me bullets if i see them outside i can't take their guns away but yeah. when I take their bullets, like mm. they go in the house, mm. you know, because a lot of times they don't got the money to go buy some more bullets. Right. So they literally go back in the house. You, you can't shoot. And if you afraid somebody out here looking for you, you might as well go on, bro. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what you gonna be able to do? <laughs> right. right. No um, but that's just uh, that whole. Um, concept of taking the bullets off the street and also um, allowing a mother or father or, or sibling to be able to experience that um, taking the bullets off the street and being able to disassemble the bullets and all the things that you guys do that is so meaningful especially to mothers and siblings and children to be able to have that experience that you are capable of being able to save a life taking the life out of this bullet that is so you know for me as a mom I know when I first heard about the organization that for me was just like wow you know how amazing is God was God giving um Susan Kennedy the ability to have this vision to help others to to know i mean trust me i know that there's so many other organizations out there that has you know similar not the same because there's a difference um similar initiatives behind you know bullets and thieves and you know right. not i know that there are several out there but um just for her to take on um this huge thing about wanting to help families and to separate the the i guess you could say the have some type of separation between that this is normal it's not normal it shouldn't be normal and we're not going to accept it as being normal to to make right. sure that people understand what her purpose was and taking helping to collect bullets off the street so that others could be saved and i've seen the organization grow and grow and grow and i'm just so grateful as a mother that has lost her son and for you and loria and all of the other angel moms survivor moms that are out there that there's an initiative that is doing this and and alongside with Moms Demand Action. The wealth of information with moms is just, oh, it's it's amazing. And I'm grateful to, like yourself, to know that, that, they, that we have these things put in place to support us and other families. Now, tell me about um, what's been like the most difficult part of the advocacy um, process for you or for John Barbos for like, what's where, where, where's that little loophole or this, that makes it kind of difficult at times? Um, one thing that makes it difficult for me is um, uh, is I don't like when people mention money mm -hmm. that bothers me. Um, the I'm trying to think the loophole when you're advocating is I guess when, when someone doesn't accept the help yeah, or when, as you're advocating, when someone doesn't accept the help, mm -hmm. um, or they think, I don't even really, I don't, I don't know how to really word it to, to see someone that you are working hard for mm -hmm. fall down and don't want to get back up. Yeah. So, okay, so that's that's a difficulty in advocating. Um, or um, that that's really the main thing. Yeah. Is and of course that's difficult because you're trying to do, it's not that we can compare our story to somebody else's and we can't say, well, I know how you feel. I mean, you can say that, but you shouldn't. But you, you really got to meet people like where they are in their grief or on a right. journey and just be okay and 
with you having such a big heart, uh, me having such a big heart, I know that's difficult when you're just really trying to help uplift them and they don't, they're not ready, that, but it's in their own timing. It's just, I, I, I definitely understand that that could be, that could be challenging um, when you really want to support somebody and they're not ready. What, what do you do in that instance? Um, I just keep, I'll reach out. I yeah. don't, I don't get on their nerves with the reach out, you know, <laughs> but still, um, I'll do something nice. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Some sort of pop up or, um, we'll, we'll make them a bracelet and give it to them, you yeah. know, um, just hit them up every now and then. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, that matter of fact, that's what Loria did with me. She would hit me up. I would reject her, reject her, reject her. Uh -huh. And then she kept, and then once I was ready, you know, so yeah. that's that's really what we do. We'll we won't keep doing hitting you up every day or anything like that, because then that'll make a person just go, okay, block too much. You know? mm -hmm. right. So <laughs> I'll just every so often I'll just you know, hey, thinking about you, you know, how you doing, mm -hmm. and can we meet? Let's mm -hmm. go out to eat, and we'll go to the chocolate cafe, have a bite to eat. We've done that before had a bite to eat and then sometimes they'll unload and sometimes they're still like okay I'm done that's good no more and that's it <laughs> so the key here I, I think you're saying of course is that it's just being consistent but also allowing them to have their time yep yeah that's that's very important consistency is the key yeah so being an angel mom is there any personal message that you would like to share with other moms of things that you know, they should do, or they could do, not should do, but things that they could do um, along their path. Pray. Pray, 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 pray. And a positive... Uh, I'm You're sorry. fine. You're fine. <laughs> positive affirmations, you know, every mm -hmm. day. Yeah. And um, just know that you're needed. That mm -hmm. you're and you want it and you you'll be surprised at when you just as an angel mom when I just reach out to some of these kids like the way their faces light up yeah. just from me calling mm. and as an angel mom to another angel mom mm. sometimes you don't know what you need until you do something that you're uncomfortable with doing mm -hmm. me that was reaching out to a whole bunch of kids that I really didn't know. Some of them, I already knew a lot of them, mm -hmm. but some of them I didn't know. And being available and being vulnerable, that helped me with my grief. Mm -hmm. So as from one angel mom to the next, I would say that you are needed, you are wanted. And sometimes you gotta be uncomfortable a little bit to figure out what it is that you need yeah yeah absolutely and i'm just so grateful to you and loria and and the host of other um angel moms and survivor moms that i met that we are we are our own community really we are we are our own community and i, I thank you for the support that you have given given to me and days that i need to talk and days that you need to talk days that you know loria needs to talk i'm just so grateful for the women that i've come encounter along my journey with um the whole gun violence initiative um, that i have a support team and a community that we understand each other's story um and that not that we're comparing our stories but that we understand each other and what we may be in a day so thank you for your support um are there any um is there any like gun violence legislation that is really important that is happening in your area or that you may know about or that you can share with us as of right now no okay. indiana is the worst right now indiana is the gateway to a lot of the neighboring um states mm -hmm. as to why people are getting so many guns because right now in indiana you can literally get online look up um Indiana arms list mm -hmm. and text somebody find they have guns for sale you can text them and say I want to buy this and they will meet you at a gas station purchase 
the weapon and drive off. So like right now for um, South Bend, there are no, there's nothing really stopping the gun. We have no gun sense right now. We are in the works of doing a lot, going to the state building actually on the 14th, the 13th. Mm -hmm. There advocacy day yes. on the, and we will be joining Moms Demand Action mm-hmm. and on the bus and going down there to the state house um, to put there's um, they have some something that they have written up that they want to present um, for them to take down to Washington mm-hmm. so they can get on board with you know some of the sense that we need there has been they have taken the ammunition out of the walmarts which mm-hmm. that is look one step at a time right <laughs> one step at a time one bill at a time one bullet at a time whatever we can do at a time I, i'm i'm for it so um do you have any gun sense candidates there or do are are they becoming more aware that this is a thing that they can become a gun sense candidate in your area there is a candidate. And I Yay. Yeah, that's okay. But hey, there's one. Okay, that's that's important. So that's good to know that that someone is in your um in your area, a representative that you have that has gun sense. So that's that's I'm so grateful for that. What are some of the programs that jumps provide? Um outside of I know you you have a lot of uh, programs with with the children, but is there is there other programs within Jump and also Bullets for Life that you all that you offer? Yeah, within Jump, we do um, we do work with um, a psychologist and therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, when we do our popping heels, which is through with Bullets for Life, uh, we have psychologists and therapists there so that they help um, to teach. We, do, we know how the we know how to deal and cope in our own way mm-hmm. um, and so we can give that advice but they more they know more of the bookwork behind it so we kind of mesh that together mm-hmm. and then that helps to give the mothers the fathers the brothers the sisters the victims of gun violence it helps to give them more tools to walk away with mm-hmm. um, it gives them more resources these this doctors and psych and therapists that we are working with they come with their information and they take medicaid so they and then they're building a rapport so that people know it's okay you can trust us Mm -hmm. so with our popping heels it's like a grief group every month yes um that we're doing um and then um we're doing a um we just did one this month where the kids got together with the therapist mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, where the kids fine. got together with the therapist mm-hmm. and um, at this sitting at the dining room table at home, yeah. there was one of the, the matter of fact, the doctor came that day. Um, it was 10 kids and she wanted to get to know them and she wanted to know what solutions they feel like would help. What can she do to help them mm-hmm. um, become, be their better self? Yeah. Um, and so that is something else that we're doing. We believe working um, with people that are aware of the mental health issues that is going on and that occurs with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that working with those people to help educate our people. Yeah. Um, like the best thing to do. So that's Absolutely. something that we do. Now, how important are the donations for your for both organizations that you're with? Um, to tell us what the needs are for your donations. What so are they- our needs are um, we need help with buying beads to make bracelets. Mm-hmm. Um, bullets. Um, we need help with buying flowers to make our wreaths with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we are having our popping heels or the times when we're making wreaths um we have to set up for that or we got to pay for space at a building um and we have to pay for food and things like when we do these things we do have food 
we have a meal there mm-hmm. um, and and then we have things like we want to do a canvas and painting so just ha- the donations go straight towards making bracelets the kids help make bracelets that's giving them something to do right um, and we like to pay them so mm-hmm. when we have or five kids helping us make bracelets we give we want to give them money you know and that makes it to when they leave when yeah. they're helping us making the wreaths mm-hmm. or bra- they some have type of stipend mm-hmm. so they have to go to the store and yeah pull anything you know that's mm-hmm. it, it and it's helpful and yeah. they get spent and they get to talk and so um the donations are very important um, we're right now we take we're taking the little bit whatever we have like mm-hmm. whatever we have left over mm-hmm. we take that and go buy you know some of the things that we need to try to stay on top of what it, our needs are but we do have people when they purchase a wreath mm-hmm. we have wreaths that we do sell and then the majority of them are gifted we don't yes yeah. to everyone mm-hmm. um but the memorial wreaths are gifted to the families that have lost. And the bracelets, we gift them to the mothers, fathers, brothers and sisters, and victims. They're gifted. Absolutely. They don't pay. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't pay for their first bracelet. So the donations go towards that. And it goes to feeding the people when they come out and help with solutions and things like that. We feed them. We mm-hmm. take them off the streets for a few hours. So yeah. that's where the donations go. Wow. And and how do they donate? Um, we have a cash app, mm-hmm. which is Bullets for Life Indiana. Okay. Uh, money sign, Bullets for Life Indiana. Or money sign, Takesha, uh, M-Z-K-I-S-H-A-4-6-6. And that goes to our... Um, wreath making things and okay. we're also on um facebook okay at bullets for life indiana and instagram at bullets underscore for underscore life underscore indiana underscore that's our instagram handle right. <laughs> okay so tell us um how has the media played a part or um, radio how do they play a part in supporting you guys so the radio, um, we had we get our kids on the radio, um, and they answer quest they a- answer questions about the violence and what do they feel would be an effective solution. Mm-hmm. And people call in, and people ask them questions. You know, so what can we do to help you? And they, you know, it's like getting advice and giving advice and Mm -hmm. we're hearing it from the mouths of the ones that they're saying all of the violence is stemming from um and so that with the radio they help wubs has helped us do that um the media has put us on we are (laughs) on the news (laughs) great we've been on the news a couple of times good um just they're very interested in popping the bullets. Like mm-hmm. it's very interesting. We've there's actually a newscast, um, ABC fifty seven, in, um, in South Bend has us on there, and we're showing her how we pop the bullets. Actually, right there on the news. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That is just an amazing thing. I'm so proud of you and Loria and the Bullets for Life movement and a jump movement, especially. Um, showing up i know to the some of those families with their loved one in a reef to give to them and i know it's just as important as showing up to um family members and friends gifting the bracelets um that's very touching and i'm just excited that you guys are a part of this and to share um, with the world what you guys are doing because a lot of people don't know um, about jump and a lot of people don't know about bullets for life so I'm, I'm grateful that I I'm providing a space to be able to share all the great mm-hmm. things that you guys are doing so what is next for your chapter before I go into what it's next for your chapter tell me about some of the great things that has happened for jump um, with because of the community and what you're doing and how you've been able to help families um, 
with things that uh, was unheard of until Jump came in and, and, and now you've able to help a family uh, with some special <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so um, we had a thing, well, they wanted me to speak. Yes. And so we came and we spoke, um, we spoke at a Poppin' Hill actually. And they just wanted to know, you know, what, they wanted to know what we go through. And so when my son was killed, um, on his, his, he was killed July 12th. He died July 12th. Mm -hmm. And then his birthday is September 23rd. Mm -hmm. Well, on that day, a lot of the kids in the neighborhood, everyone came over and, you know, they celebrated Abdul's birthday. And then um, they all left and went to a park. And when they went to the park, they went to celebrate Abdul's birthday. You know, I don't really drink or anything. So after a while, it's time to go. <laughs> well, they went yeah. to the park. And um, as they were at the park, someone came through and shot up the park. And a young man, Dijon, he lost his life that night. And um, it really, it did something to me, you know, because they were just celebrating my son's birthday that's all they were doing and someone shot up the park and unfortunately he passed away and so um we went to the cemetery. we were we always go out to the cemetery in big numbers there's always a bunch of them going and i went out there um on september 23rd and he didn't have a headstone and we couldn't we couldn't find him we didn't know where he was at and so um that is another hurdle that it's mentally exhausting. It, it just is something else all the time. And so as I was telling, I told my story and this lady, <laughs> she's a doctor and she texted me and she said, I, I just can't get that out of my head. This young man doesn't have a headstone. And she thought that he lived in India. And I was like, no, he lives here in South Bend. And she said, I'm going to call you back on Monday. And she called me back and said, meet me at the cemetery um, with his family. Well, we met her at the cemetery with his family and she bought him a headstone. Oh. Mm. She donated her money and bought him a headstone. Mm. That was like, me and Gloria were just so ecstatic and shocked. Just from listening to a story. Right not asking for anything but just from hearing something it touched her heart to just say i'm gonna buy it yeah. the funeral the funeral home um the cemetery the funeral home owns i guess the cemetery as well um they also discounted things down and got it he has they printed out the layout of the headstone and we've seen how it's going to look but they discounted everything down so far to where the headstone was only $600. Wow. And so they want to put um, something, they want to get something into play where we are helping families get headstones for some of the gun violence victims. Oh, that is such an accomplishment. Oh my gosh, that is really such an accomplishment. Oh. It is. It's a wow. Well, good job, Takesha and Jump and Lori. I'm so proud of you guys. Uh, but y'all never seem to amaze me, y'all. I, I mean, I've watched your um, initiative. I've watched Jump. I've watched Bullets for Life Indiana just take off. And you're doing some of the most amazing things. And you're teaching a lot of the other chapters what to do, how to do it, how strong you guys can be. Um, to survivor moms, um, just the work that y'all are putting in and in the difference that you are making in the lives of those children is amazing. I'm so grateful for, to know you. Um, so what's next for your chapter? Well, um, we're, push, we're setting forth goals in this next year, um, um, like not far future goals, but throughout the year we want to have a goal for um, each quarter of the year. Yeah. Um, also getting our paperwork completed and done um, for jump. Yeah. We want to have that done by the end of the year. So going into 
the following year jump will be situated but absolutely so it's just growing our growing um jump and bullets for life it's just growing it and Mm -hmm. because like what we do we like having the um the popping heels once a month Mm -hmm. um and what we're doing with the therapist and the young people we we want to keep that going every two weeks yeah so basically just growing and getting stronger and getting and not really growing outward but growing inward so getting deeper into what we've got already yeah absolutely I think that I, I think your goal setting for 2020 coming in is perfect um, just stay the course um, I'm sure it will it shall all work out um, the doors just keep opening for you guys every time y'all do something <laughs> one, you know once God opens a, a window another door opens and then this other door opens and another window is opening and, I, and I'm just I'm so proud of y'all it's just been amazing to sit back and watch you guys soar um is there anything that you want to leave us with as far as how your journey has been and just I want you to just share with um the grief nation listeners how important it has been for you learning everything that you've learned with being a part of both of these great initiatives but what's been the takeaway for you so being involved in these kids with these kids as I haven't been as involved like this before um but being involved it is some rough patches um you have to be conscious of what's going on who's doing what and when and where even though your heart is pure and you have no malice you still have to be aware that sometimes people do things that you don't know what they're doing and they'll get you involved. Mm -hmm. And so you always want to help, but you have to be mindful to, you want to help, but you just have to be mindful that sometimes people don't want your help or sometimes people want to use you. And so, um, my heart is pure and I have learned one big valuable lesson is that even though I advocate for these kids, um, I do respect the law, but, um, I will never talk to the police. (laughs) I'm sorry, but this is just one thing that I've learned. I will never talk to the police without an attorney Mm -hmm. and, um, without an attorney present and that, um, I will always advocate I will always genuinely love the people that I come in contact with and that um, I will stay strong. And for all of the people that are listening and watching and wanting to know what can they do, you have got to pray and you've got to know that you are definitely needed. You are absolutely needed. Whatever strengths you have, bring them because we need you. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Takesha, for sharing your journey, sharing your story, being so open and um, giving us the really what it is as far as being a part of so many um, great initiatives behind gun violence and supporting other families and the needs and what you guys needed. That's the most important. I really wanted to make sure that we talked about that because I'm really hoping that my listeners and other people that get an opportunity to hear this know what you need because that's what's important to help you guys continue on supporting the families and and especially the kids that you're so passionate about. So thank you once again for being on the Miami Night Show um, and also for just giving us all of your love and being supportive um, also to me um, in times where I've called on you. So thank you so much. And I look forward to sharing more of your story. Also, um, you know, from time to time, we'll link up and whatever's new coming for Jump and what's coming for Bullets for Life. If there's something that you guys really want to get out there and have me to help you push, I'm here with you, sister. So thank you so much for being on It's the Miami Night Show and uh, much love and light to you and the, both organizations. And I wish you well. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. You're welcome. Well, there you have it, Grief Nation listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another transformative and unique grief journey. Thank you to Takesha Jacobs for expressing your loss and your journey to healing, how you're making a difference to end this public health crisis. This is your girl, Miami Knight, sending you lots of love and light from It's the Miami Knight Show, Grief Talk. Until we connect again spiritually, go slug mode.